Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. I'm hoping you can explain the hit on metals of mining. Quick question on ticker symbol AG, first majestic. My wife has a rollover 401k from a previous employer. I was curious if this is eligible to be used to do a backdoor Roth. And provides unbiased answers. Well, that's pretty easy. Open up a Roth account, start moving the assets over there. Just know that every asset that you move over to the Roth is added to your income. Invest Talk across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Everybody and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, May tenth, two thousand twenty-two. I'm Steve Peasley, and I look forward to doing this show. I look forward to the podcast and talking to you, answering your questions. And I promise, all my answers will be unbiased. There will be no leaning one way or another. I am just trying to help as much as you can and learn at the same time. You always are learning. I've been doing this for a long time, and I still learn. So, of course, you know I don't have a hidden agenda. Uh, Of course, we do the show for, you know, not only to help you answer questions, but also it's our marketing tool. You know, we manage people's uh, IRAs and individual accounts, and we manage money for people. But, you know, if you want to learn, I'll help you learn. We'll teach you. We will. You know, we have, as I said, never have a hidden agenda. We, We don't try to push anything. And you drive the show in the direction you want it to go. As long as it's financial, we'll go that direction. And, you know, it's up to you. So uh, my goal is to help you understand what's going on. What is in the current environment? What do you think, uh, you know, I was, I was looking at different aspects of different sections of the market today and came to some conclusions, which I will share with you t- later on in the show, about where the market's headed now, you've heard me say there's going to be a tough summer, and I still think it's going to be a tough summer, but that doesn't mean there won't be rallies and there won't be more pullbacks. And the market doesn't, you know, it's not a monolithic thing that everything goes down and then everything goes up. It, there's twists and turns, and we're going to talk about those. Um, but, you know, if you do have any financial questions and you want to talk about your financial future, how to build a portfolio, those are the kinds of things that I like the best. You know, we, we got to get you back to saving and growing your money for your financial freedom. We used to talk about financial freedom a lot. We don't as much as we used to. But that financial freedom means whatever amount of money it is for you to live comfortably without having to worry about money. Whatever that number is. Is it 100000 a million, 10 million, 20? What is it? For you, because everybody spends money differently. I got some very uh, entertaining stories about how people think about money. What some people say is enough money, and some people say they couldn't survive on that money to save their lives. That's not how they, everybody has different spending habits. Okay, so it's up to you. Now, we know we're dealing with inflation. We know we still got the war going on. We know we have a Fed that's tightening interest rates. 
but we will deal with that. We start each show with our mission statement, independent thinking and shared success. And, of course, that is we start that off that way because we want to make sure that you understand that our marketing reporting, our processes, our educational elements, and, of course, the stock commentary are all presented without a bias, without an agenda, without something to sell. You know, that's not what we do. So I encourage you to contact me. Give me a call right now. The lines are open. You shape the show in the direction you want it to go. We're live 4 to 5 Pacific time, Monday through Friday. And if you have any questions, then when we're not alive, we will add it to our voice bank and answer those questions as soon as we can. Either way, the number never changes, 888-99-CHART. So let's get right to our first listener question. Oh, let's go to Tom in Kentucky. Tom? Hey, Steve. I was wondering about Adidas. I think it's A-D-D-Y-Y. Uh-huh. And I was wondering what you thought was a good buy price because it's broke through its 52-week low Friday or Monday, I believe. So Okay. This is Adidas. It's a German company, in case anybody didn't know that. German-based designer and distribution of athletic and sporting lifestyle products globally. They're going to make $4.95 this year and then $6.07 next year. It's a $92 stock, so that's a 15 PE. You know, their lowest PE is 20 in the last five years. So they're at their lowest if they if they don't move up. The price doesn't go up. You know, it's going to be 15. Now, is 15 a good price for them? I say, yeah, that's a very good price. It's not 15 now, but it's 15 based on next year's earnings if they earn that much money. So, return equity is 21%. Very good. Um, cash flow is $15 a share. That's excellent. Um, hardly any debt. So, it's a really strong company. They'd only pay a 1.4% dividend, which is. Kind of surprising. They should pay more than that. It's a $37 billion company, and I can tell you it's right near its COVID low. Right near its COVID low. Why? Because it's a German company, and Europe has fallen into recession. That's why. So the question is, is this low enough to start attracting you? And I will say this. I think it's getting very, very close. I think you have to wait for it to show a little bit of strength meaning let it rise a couple, three days in a row, five or maybe five, or not even in a row. You know, after 10 days, five five or seven days up and three down. You know, I mean, you got to see it doing some, finding a bottom. That's when you'll pick it up. But it's a good stock to own, Tom. So I would Thanks, not Steve. hesitate to buy it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Richard in the Bay Area. Hi, Richard. Hey, Steve. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for the call. Uh, no problem. I was wondering why, uh, what your thoughts about um, why you you guys think that inflation is going to persist for like a decade plus? Because okay. we think inflation. You know, is... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no problem. I, I'm just thinking like the the Fed is attacking it really aggressively, and uh, and it seems like they may be even over overshooting. So why couldn't this be just like run-of-the-mill bear market before a recession and then, you know, the growth stocks are are getting hammered because of that and then they're going to have a stronger comeback like they usually do? Okay, that's a very good question. Um, Why do we think inflation is going to be with us for a while? 
Um, one of the reasons, well, when we say inflation is going to be with us, we not we we think it's probably getting close or is peaking right about where it is now. I think the CPI is like eight and a half, or is it seven and a half? I don't remember. Somewhere in there, eight percentage. Uh, I think it was eight and a half uh, last month. Um, we think that inflation is peaking, but it's going to stay elevated. That's what we're saying. We're not saying it's going to go more high, higher. We're saying it's just going to stay elevated, meaning it's going to be in the 4 or 5% range instead of going back to the 2. The 2 we had before, way back you know, two years ago, three years ago, that was unusually low and was stayed unusually low for a number of years. That's unusual because a long-term inflation rate here in the United States is a little over 3, I think 3.3%. So we have right now, we have had a change in what's going on in the world, and it appears that many countries are retracing uh, back into producing their own thing and being less uh, uh, less of a world economy. Still going to be there, but what that will do is probably cause inflation in the United States because we're going to bring back some of that manufacturing here. So, which is fine. I have no problem with that. But I do think that that means we'll probably, you know, here means prices are going to be higher. The things we make, they're going to be higher. So that I think the inflation is just going to stay higher than it has in the past because of the cost of producing. It's going to go up. I mean, in general, not not be. In other words, we we've under we've under invested invested for ten to fifteen years in commodity production. It takes several years to to add the more and more commodity production. Food, it takes about a year to add produ- you know, more food on the line. And you got that war going on in uh, um, in um, Ukraine, so Europe's food's going to be more expensive, and the wheat production there is probably going to go down. That means Europe's going to boy- be short wheat and probably order from us this year. So I see inflation in the food area staying fairly high. So there's a, several reasons that it will probably stay higher than we've seen in the past. And that means 4 or 5%, I think, not 75 or 8 I think it will come off of that. Appreciate the call. And the Fed is pushing hard rates up. But they said they're going to they're gonna push it all the way up to uh, 2 and a quarter, 2.5%. And they're at three-quarters of 1% right now. They may well cause a recession if they're not careful. Richard, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. We have good news for Talk listeners who want to enjoy hearing, who do hear, enjoy hearing unbiased answers to caller questions. And we, we, we want to present, we have an April rapid fire hour that answers questions at a very fast pace. And there's 30 caller questions total. So it's now available at, for free. And you can download it for free. Please tell your friends about Invest Talk Rapid Fire Podcasts. And now the Invest Talk phone lines are open. Call 888 99Chart. Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose 
of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey, guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor. 888-99-CHART. Now, each time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. I make them into easier to understand elements. Each question is tackled live without pre-screening, and some topics are more challenging than others. And that's a good thing because it allows every Invest Talk caller to shape the content of the podcast. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24-7 Anytime Listener Line at 888 chart 888-992-4278. Love to hear you. Love to have your questions. Call anytime you want. My focus point today is based on this question. Has the 2022 stock drop, the stock market drop, left the market undervalued? Is the market undervalued right now? Is it? Now, I, you know, I was looking at this myself very closely today, and I'm going to argue that some of those value sectors and value stocks that we really liked and been pushing for well over a year, I think they're getting close to being at value or a little overvalued. Um, and at the same time, growth stocks, which I have always thought were overvalued, may be looking at pretty, pretty fair prices, may be attractive. So we'll see. We'll talk about it at length, I promise, before the end of the show. So what else do I want to talk about? How about um, the Russia emits economic shrinkage of 12% due to the war? This was a leak from the Kremlin. They would not admit to that before. Now they're admitting they're going to shrink their economy 12% because Putin, Putin didn't like the Ukrainians and what they were doing. That's it. Of course, Putin won't feel any hurt or pain, but his people will. Uh, Boeing. Do you hear what's happening with Boeing? Boeing? And how about Bill Gates, and who's shorting Tesla? Do you hear that little spat between Bill Gates and uh, Elon Musk, a little Twitter spat? That was kind of fun to read. I'll mention those things. Goldman Sachs, with the rest of Wall Street, are just now going, coming to grips with reality about stocks this year. They still haven't reduced their uh, forecast, but they should, and they're probably going to. You can't trust these big financial institutes institutions because they have a bias to push the market. They have a bias to talk up the market and make it feel good. That's their bias because that's how they make money. To get you and everybody else involved and excited and invested and uh, taking your company public and issuing more bonds and on and on and on. That's that's their bias. You just 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 like when you're watching TV news, what's the bias of the news station? Okay, do they need to? They, their bias is to sell commercials. They want to attract your eyeballs to watch them. So you know there's going to be a bias to get you to watch them some way somehow. Make things more dramatic than they really are. 
they don't they can't be boring. You'll tune out. So just be aware. We are moving into a break, but I am here and happy to take your financial investment questions. This is Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. You've got a portfolio to grow and protect, so get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's go to uh, Jordan and Dana Point. Hi, Jordan. Hey, how you doing? Good. How's it going? Doing well. Thank you for taking my call. I uh, just have a question about Union Pacific. I uh, own it. I'm thinking about buying a little bit more. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think about the company? I think the company's really strong. Uh, Union Pacific Corporation, everybody, provides rail transportation with 32,452 miles of uh, main branch line track across 23 states in the western U.S. Uh, they're going to make $13.04 and, and, uh, next year. The stock is at right now $222.66 or $0.60. Cents. And if you divide that by the next year's earnings you get a P.E. ratio of around 17. The five-year range is 12 to 28. So it's almost in the middle of that range. Great return on equity of 42%. Uh, very strong cash flow. Uh, mutual funds are buying it. And as long as gasoline prices stay high, Jordan, you know, rail shipping things by rail is one of the cheapest things there is to ship. Okay, so if gasoline prices... Stay high. There, you know, the rail companies are going to do very, very well. That's an option instead of instead of trucking. Go over the rails. So I think it's a strong company. Um, I think it could go down to two hundred dollars, and that would be pretty strong support right around there. But I like the company; it's very strong. Thanks for the call, Jordan. Glenn in Pleasanton. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Steve. Hey, I got an academic answer to your interesting question today. Sure. The market is priced at 5.24% over the risk-free rate based on expected inflation. If inflation comes in higher, the market is overpriced. If the inflation comes in lower, the market is underpriced. So, if, Steve, if, if you could just send me your crystal ball, I could give you the exact answer, but I don't think that's going to happen, is it? <laughs> I wished. <laughs> you know, the, one thing I've learned over the years is never the, – the market is a moving target. <laughs> it's just don't stay still for long enough where you say, okay, that's what it is. But I think you're pretty close to as best you're going to get, and that was pretty much my conclusion. Uh, in other words, overall, I think the market's pretty fairly valued right now with the – uh, the growth stocks are all way overvalued, and they've come way down, 20-plus percent, higher than 20 percent. They're in a bear market. Uh, the uh, value stocks have not come very far down, uh, but they were undervalued in the begin with. So I think the market is now approaching fair value. Therefore, what should you do with your money? See, I think that maybe – and this is a departure from my speculation before. I think maybe um, you might want to wait a little while before you put any more money into value stocks 
And maybe you might get a little short-term rally here in the growth stocks. Maybe. And if I had a crystal ball, I could say that's what's going to happen, but I don't. Because anything from left field could happen. Something um, something disastrous can happen in the uh, uh, Russia war that they're out there. Or tomorrow, I think we get the CPI numbers or the PPI numbers. Some inflation news comes out this week. And uh, we'll be reporting on that, of course. But I think that's going to be important to see if, if indeed inflation has peaked. The Federal Reserve will still be putting on the pressure of raising rates, even if it has peaked already and starting to come down. They need to kill inflation expectations, not just in real inflation, but the expectations of people of higher inflation. They need to kill that. They need to get that inflation expectation out of people's mind because expectations of inflation drives inflation. I know it sounds odd, but it's true. So how'd the market do today? Did you see it? It was mixed. The Dow was down 85. The Nasdaq was up 114 and the S&P was up 10. So mixed. So We've had, what, day after day after day of down market, and today we finally get a little mixed market. It tried to rally early, then gave up a lot, then tried it again. So there was a lot of back and forth today. So are we approaching the short-term bottom? That is a good question. Uh, We won't know that but until afterwards, but the odds are pretty good that we are, pretty good. Okay, pretty good means no one really knows. I I always want to reinforce that anybody on the radio or TV or any written things say they know something, what the market's going to do, don't listen to them ever again until they admit that they don't really know for sure. Everybody needs to admit that. I I hate listening to these pundits that think they know what's going to happen. And when they're right, they get to be on the radio and TV more often uh, when they're wrong, they just disappear. And then when they eventually are wrong, they disappear too, and new pundits come up. So it, you just really got to be careful, everybody. Just be careful. Okay? Just about everyone in America today seems to have at least one personal computer. But there was a time not so long ago that personal computers were the stuff of science fiction. Okay. I thought it might be fun to look back in time and take note of the price of PCs. So as we go to break, here is my two-part trivia question. In which year was the first PC personal computer marketed? And what do you suppose was and is the best-selling PC of all time? And it's not Apple, everybody. It's not an Apple device. So after the break, I will supply the answer. But for now, my phone lines are open and I encourage your investment questions. 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in 
patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Have you heard about Riskalyze? It's a brief question-and-answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the Riskalyze results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. Learn more anytime and take the Riskalyze quiz at investtalk.com. 888-99-CHARTER is our number, everybody. And I asked a trivia question before the break, and it's about PCs. In which, which year was the first PC personal computer marketed, and what do you suppose was its best-selling PC of all time? And it's not Apple, okay? Now, once widely expensive and inaccessible to anyone who is not wealthy, computers today are one of the most ubiquitous technologies worldwide. The most basic model of the HP 3000 sold for $95,000 in 1972. This is a PC. $95,000 in 1972. The equivalent of more than $600,000 in today's dollars. 
So that tells you how expensive they were. 1973, the Wang 2200, price tag $3,500 or $21,569 in today's dollars was what, do anybody remember Wang? Wang computers? They were big at the time. And with the introduction of the Wang 2200, Wang Laboratory successfully trans, transitioned from a calculator manufacturer to a computer company. Then they disappeared. 1975, the IBM 5100 portable computer, price tag of $8,975. Inflation adjusted, 45000 That was a big computer there. At about 50 pounds, IBM 5100 portable computer was not very portable. 50 pounds, right? Okay, but that's what it was. 1976, the Apple One. Price tag $666, that's $3,000, a little over $3,000 today. The Apple One was the first product sold by Apple. It was originally designed to compute for, for computer hobbyists. This could go on forever, by the way. I could talk about these things and all the numbers. 1984, the Apple Macintosh, price $2,500. Inflation adjusted, that was $65. The Macintosh is considered to be the first commercially successful computer to have a graphic user interface. What does that mean? Using the mouse. Before it was all DOS language, and you had to hit the function keys, F1, F1, M1 through what? F12, and you had to hit keys. Well, Apple's the one that came up with the mouse. And then uh, Microsoft stole the idea. Apple sued them and lost. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. What's the best-selling computer of all time? The Commodore 64, which was released in 1982, eventually sold about 20 million units to make it the best-selling personal computer of all time. Commodore 64. I never had one of those. So that's kind of interesting. I think that's kind of interesting in history. I mean, now you wear computers on your wrist. You know, <laughs> you know, computers on your phone. The phone is a computer. It's not a phone anymore. It's a computer. It's just amazing, the technology. And just, just think that's happened since the 80s, right? Late 70s, early 70s to now. What's well, going to happen in the next 50 years? My focus point today is based on the question, has a 22 stock drop left the market undervalued? And we kind of talked about that a little bit already. And I'm thinking that, you know, there's different parts of the market. So you got to kind of filter it through which part are you want to talk about. But, you know, there's you can use actual statistics. We still, you know, we still have the problems declining economic growth. We still going to have that Federal Reserve tightening monetary policy, rising interest rates, inflation. Still got all those problems, and because of all those problems, the market has changed. Okay, so the big growth and high growth stocks have come down pretty hard. They're in a bear market. Have come down. And are they going to come down further? Well, of course they could, but they're now at fair value or a bit undervalued. Whereas the value stocks who were undervalued at the beginning of the year now are at fair value. So it's hard to say, well, what, where, where do you be in the market now? I think you'd just be a little patient. That's what I think. The market will give you a better idea. But, you know, it wouldn't hurt my feelings to take a put your toe in the water on some of the growth stocks that are very undervalued. I, would, I, wouldn't, 
I wouldn't bulk at that. I would not. And I still I wouldn't bulk at holding on to my value stocks. I don't. I wouldn't. Now, there's certain, certain value stocks are better than others, and certain growth stocks are better than others. But that's what we, we're seeing. That's, you know, fair value. If I want to describe the overall market, it would probably be fair value. Fair, a fair value. Not necessarily cheap, because it's still not. But fair value would be a good way to describe it. Now, remember, if the Federal Reserve is successful in slowing down, infl- uh, slowing down inflation, that means they are successful in slowing down economic activity, meaning we may, you know, earnings for corporate America is going to go down and the values of stocks change just because of that. So you got to be careful. So think about some of the big companies that might be undervalued, some growth ones maybe might be undervalued, but make sure they're very undervalued before you dip your toe in. There's no big rush to get into the market. Okay, let's pivot back to Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from Texas, 888-99-CHART. Gentlemen, it's John from Texas. Thanks for the show. Question on charts, you know, stockcharts.com. I guess this is a good place to go. Kind of hard to do on a on a mobile device, but like on a computer. If I'm looking to identify the 200-day moving average, the 50-day moving average, I think y'all like to use the 100. Maybe Justin said that. There's two two options. There's like an interval and a range. They go down to like a one minute, five minute, one day, one month. But there's two selections to kind of zoom out or zoom into the chart. I'm confused of what I should set that at in order to identify those accurately and maybe currently. So, again, I think it's interval and range. There's two different time frames you adjust. And then all that does is change the, the moving averages. So I, where, where do you recommend we set those to be able to identify the numbers we're looking for? Thanks okay. in advance. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, good question. Uh, Stockcharts.com is a very good uh, free website charting program. And what you do is you it does have one day, three day, five day, month. You want to start with one year daily chart, a one year daily chart. And Stockcharts.com only allows you to put three moving averages in at a time. We like to look at four, and they are the 20-day, the 50-day, the 100-day, and 200. For you, you if you only do three, make sure it's the 50, the 100, and the 200-day moving average. A daily chart, one-year daily chart is what you want to start with. That's the basic chart that most chartists look, like, look at when they begin. And then when you get more sophisticated and you're looking for support and resistance and you can't see it in a one-year chart, you can go to a weekly chart. Okay, it'll give you a much a bigger, a longer time look back. Okay, but that's a very good question. Charting, remember everybody, charting it just helps you. It doesn't answer things. It doesn't give you, you know, oh, this is going to work all the time. Charting, when you learn how to rechart, just tends to be true. Tends to be true. It's not a science. It's an art. And why is it art? Because charting only becomes true because people, chartists, make it true by their actions. They buy or sell at certain points. And they're using a chart to make that decision. So it's nothing magical about it. It just means that the 200-day moving average, which, by the way, is 200 Market days, which is a year, 
at that average, most of the time, charts find strong support. They don't go down below that um, unless we're in a strong bear market. But it's, again, it's not a science. It's an art. It just tends to be true. Okay. Okay, uh, Russia admits economic shrinkage of 12% due to the war. This is a leak out of the Kremlin, which is not too often you see that. So they didn't ever want to admit that this was happening. You know, they, you know, they're using a lot of propaganda messages out there to pretend that, you know, they're justified in their attack of Ukraine. Um, now, this would be the largest fall or shrinkage in their economy since 1994, and remember what, what 1994 did? That's when they shifted from being a, a, a pure command economy to, to a more free market economy. And they were finally able to grow enough food to feed themselves, even though their free market economy is not as free as, you know, as normal capitalism is. Did you know what inflation is in Russia right now? 17.7%. By the way, this... Uh, 12% fall is going to wipe out 10 years of growth in Russia. But see, the problem is is that the, the power brokers there, the people in charge, the oligarchs, they're not the ones going to be suffering. It's the people in Russia who suffer. They don't really care. Guarantee you, Putin does not care, really. You know, he really, that's not his concern. I mean, they, 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 you realize that they can't, on the internet, you, you can't Google things. You can't. They don't have that kind of freedom. And if they use terms like the war or invasion, there's like any of those terms they use, they go to jail. You get arrested for that. This, according to the official communist government in Russia, is only a special operation. I don't know what that means. That's what they're calling this invasion of Ukraine. A special operation. Special operation to do what? To do what? They talked about to get rid of the Nazis? They think Nazis are in charge? <laughs> I just, yeah. Now, trust me, Ukraine was a corrupt government. You know, I mean, there was a lot of corruptions before and probably still. I'm not, you know, trying to paint them in some kind of lily white picture, but, you know, Russia's killing its economy for what? It just doesn't make sense to me. Maybe I'm too practical about this. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense that you would want to get rid of you know so much of your wealth, even if, even if you are a political leader. Why would you choose to do such a thing? But they're choosing it. So, okay, we're only one, already one third over over one third into the year. It's May, so so I think it's worth a minute or two. Maybe we can. Talk about the benefits of uh, what Justin Klein and I can do for you and our company, KPP Financial. We're based in Irvine, California, which is in Orange County between LA and San Diego. Uh, I'd like to remind you here on Invest Talk and at KPP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. And what does that really mean? Well, I, we, you heard me mention we provide unbiased guidance. We don't buy you know, other people's opinion of things. We buy raw data, and we make up our own minds. We also practice parallel investing, meaning we, we buy the same things that we do for ourselves and our clients. At the same price, same percentage. We sell at the same price, same percentage. So we like to ride along with our clients. We like to be on the same side of the table as they are, and we, and we are that. I'm in each one of our five programs with my personal money, all of it. 
Um, let's see. Uh, what else can I tell you? If you want to take a look at your portfolio, we'd be happy to do that. Free portfolio review and assessment. We'll try to, and we can do that through telephone or Skype or go to meetings. I'm, I'm less techie than Justin. I like just the telephone because that's my, you know, what I grew up with in the business world. Skype and go to meetings are fine, but, you know, I'm, I don't have the face for those things. If you want to take a look at your portfolio, just send us an email and we'll start the process. You can go to investtalk.com, click on contact us, and we'll be happy to talk to you. Or you can call our office in Irvine, California, do the same thing. I think after speaking with us for a few minutes, you'll understand we're a bit different. We don't try to talk people into anything. We just try to give them the best information we can, as much help as we can give them. And of course, we would love to manage our money, but that's not necessarily our main driver. It's one of our drivers. I won't you know, pretend it's not, but that's not our main driver, not my mind. If we can help you, we will help you. Let's go to Luke in Wisconsin. Hi, Luke. Hi, Steve. Uh, hope all is well. I'm just calling about ticker symbol B-T-A-L. It's an anti-beta fund, and I was just wondering if that would possibly be a good way to play this uh, risk-off environment. Hmm. Okay, beta. First, got to explain the beta to people. Uh, beta is, the, is a measurement of a stock against the stock market. The stock market is, the S&P 500 has a beta of one. Okay, so if you have a below one beta, that means that that stock is less volatile than the stock market. If it's above one, it's more volatile and the chances of return are higher above one and lower uh, below one. That's the theory anyways. So this is an exchange trade fund corresponding to the Dow Jones U.S., uh, market neutral anti beta index. Okay, so you can use this to try to time the market, and that seems to be very. That's a very difficult thing to do. It's very difficult to do that. You have to really understand how it's constructed. So you're going to have to understand how the Dow Jones U.S. Uh, index anti beta index is constructed, and it looks like it moves up. When the market moves down and moves down, when the market moves up. But I haven't studied it long enough to make sure that that's what it's achieving. And I don't know how it achieves that because I don't know how that index is constructed. So I can't give you a lot of information about it um, because it's not something, you know, we don't, we don't do that to try to figure out how to time the market. It's never been a really good, a really good exercise, never has worked much in the history. Luke, appreciate the call. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. 888 992 4278. We're going to go to Northern California uh, and talk to Tom. Tom? Hi. 
Uh, this is Bill. Bill. There's no Tom's on the line. Okay, <laughs> yeah. they wrote down Tom, so I'm sorry. That's all right. You can call me Tom if you want. That's no, fine. <laughs> that's okay. We'll go with um, Bill. <laughs> Steve, um, yeah, I'm just wondering about Devon Energy, and I you know I'm looking. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I tend to hold on to things a long time. I bought this just yesterday, actually, for the uh, dividend. It looks pretty steady. I did minor, small amount of research, and I've been aware of this company for a while. I just wondered, you know, how dependent uh, would this be on oil prices to maintain their dividend rate, and how much would oil prices have to fall that you think that they would substantially cut the dividend or that the stock price would drop down? Mm. Uh, well, this Devon Energy is a big company. It's $42 billion. Uh, I think it's a good, solid company to have in your portfolio. Engaged in exploration and production of oil, gas, and natural gas in the United States and Canada. It's going to make $8.22 this year after making $3.53 last year. And next year, it's eight eighteen, so a little bit less, but not much. And it's a $63 stock. So no matter how you slice it, that's a pretty cheap stock. Um, now, it has gone as low as a 5 PE. A 5 PE would be about $41, $42 if it ever went back that low. The only way it would go that low is if oil prices dropped fast, and I don't see that happening. I don't see it happening anytime soon anyways. Uh, they might, they've, looks like the oil prices leveled out, but they haven't come down and until production increases, which will take a little while, you, you know, it's going to take some time, Devon Energy should still do very well. It pays an 8% dividend. Huh? That's a pretty nice, it's now 8% of $63 is $4.90. It's going to make 8 So it's not even a, that's what, what a 55, 60% payout ratio, which I think is pretty healthy. There's nothing wrong with that. That's doable. Return equity is 39%. I think I think you just hold on to it, not worry about it. Put it in your drawer, Tom, and not worry about it for a while. Okay, let's go to Noel and Napa. Hi, Noel. Hi, Steve. Uh, I've got an insurance question because you're an insurance expert, uh, but but it's not an investment question. I have a claim against an insurance company, an auto claim. Okay. Somebody ran into me, and okay. and they're kind of lowballing me. They're they they just want to buy me off on the cheap, and they uh-huh. don't want to give me enough money to really replace the car with the same kind of car. Uh, and so, is there anything to stir them up? Do you think? Uh, yeah. Do you, do you have any suggestions? You, yeah, you want to you want to do it in writing because a lot of you know a lot of times oh we never talked you know. You, if it's somebody's fault and damaged your car, they have to give you like, kind, and quality. Use that terminology, like, kind, and quality of the car that you lost, okay? And also, you're entitled to loss of use of that car, okay? So, right. you use that term. It's also, usable, but <laughs> well, it's not going to be usable if you get it repaired, Right. If, if, yeah, if, that's right. Right. It, but it, 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 they've deemed it. They've looked at it. They've photographed it. They just gave me a low ball price. And, and uh, okay, so and, it's uh, repairable. It's not total. I can, I can buy it back. Though. Matter of fact, I've already. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you telling me that they want they want to repair it? They want to pay you for the repair job? Is that what you're telling me? 
no, uh, they don't want to repair it. Uh, they deem it a total. Okay. So back to like, kind, and quality and the loss of use of the car until you get it replaced. And, you know, you, you know it might take you several days. They're going to pay for your loss of use of that vehicle while you get it repaired. And remember, like, like kind, and quality is what they owe you. So, therefore, they got to find the same car, same mileage, same condition before as with the accident, before the accident. Good luck. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program. Justin Klein and I want to thank you for listening and encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. You can get yours anytime from iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. You can download it from there. Independent thinking, shared success. This is InvestTalk. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1 800 557 5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein, chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.